I would like to begin this podcast by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we record and pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. All opinions and discussions on the podcast are purely individual experience, so please consult a doctor or medical professional for more information. Welcome to the Shake It Up Show, a podcast in partnership with Shake It Up Australia Foundation for Parkinson's Research, where we speak to people whose lives have been impacted by Parkinson's disease and hear their stories. My name is Amy Louise Ruffle. I'm an actor, comedian, podcaster, and most importantly, a proud Shake It Up Australia ambassador in support of my dad who lives with Parkinson's. My guest this week has been fundraising up a storm for Shake It Up Australia Foundation, teaming up with a colleague, Zach, to collectively walk 250 kilometres to raise money for Parkinson's research. So to tell us more about that and her story, please welcome to the podcast, Louise Kappa. Hi, Louise. Hi, Amy. Let's talk about all that walking. Yeah, yeah. Well, they say if you don't use it, you lose it. And my dog is very insistent on her walk, so she motivated me to get involved, basically. And um, my colleague Zach joined last year. We we did it, and we we actually walked a little more last year, but this year I had a few issues, and um, so I walked a little bit less. Zach continued to walk he's got two dogs so um he had double the motivation and we also decided this year to up rev our fundraising attempts and get our colleagues involved and um had great success we've got a wonderful bunch of colleagues that's fantastic. I guess while we're talking about colleagues, tell us a little bit about what you do for work. I'm a software engineering manager, which means I look after a team of software engineers who, well, we work for a company called Talos who do lots of defence work and my team writes software for the Navy or the submarine. Wow, that sounds very important and impressive. It's certainly a lot of fun and and a bit of responsibility. Absolutely. So when do you first remember feeling a a change in your health? What were some of those initial symptoms? Yeah, I guess my first hint was I went to point at a newspaper article uh, um, for my husband, and he said, oh, look, your finger's shaking. And um, that was a bit weird, and I just sort of didn't worry so much about it. And then I noticed um, my typing at work was becoming weird. Um, I was double bouncing on the keyboard, and it was quite an issue, and I couldn't move the mouse as efficiently as I wanted to. And it was affecting work. 
So I went off to my GP. Unfortunately, my GP wasn't available. And so I had to see one of the others at the practice, which worried me a little because I really liked my doctor. But the this doctor was really insistent that I get checked out and booked me in for MRIs and found a neurologist that would see me as quickly as basically a month away, which was really impressive. She rang around and found someone. And so he was just a random neurologist that was available. In the meantime, my my own doctor came back and I went in to visit her and said, oh, all this drama has happened kind of thing. And she said, oh, don't worry about it. You know, have some propanol and you'll be all right. It's probably just essential tremor. And then I sort of said, oh, well, what do I do about all of these appointments and stuff? And she said, oh, go off and see. It won't hurt to go and visit a neurologist. And I walked into the, the neurologist and he said, oh, you've got Parkinson's. Basically, straight away, did a handful of tests, walk across the room, all the normal sort of hand movement things, and diagnosed me there and then on the day. And so I didn't go through the dramas that a lot of people go through, which was tremendously lucky, because I had been worried leading up to the appointment because I was... I, of course, you Google things and you worry about what it could be. And, you know, I knew the MRI was looking for certain things, so I was worried about those things and and all that. So I was kind of relieved that I had a diagnosis, but I burst into tears. And my poor husband had to deal with me in the office of the neurologist who obviously had been through it a million times before but he was lovely and I went to him for a little while and he was he was good I had no complaints but I wanted a a movement disorder specialist so I googled around for who were the best people in in Perth and basically there, there were two really good um, movement disorder specialists and I managed to get an appointment with one of them and I'm with Julian Rodriguez now and he's very good. I like him and he's younger than me, which is great. I like the idea that he'll be around when I'm older um, and needing his help, and he's right on top of all of the latest things. So I feel quite blessed with that. Well, it's so important to find a team of people around you that you you like and connect with and, and trust too, and it's, yeah. I guess, in a way, very lucky that your original GP wasn't available that day and you had someone that was yeah. so you know, invested and wanted to get those extra tests because when you hear of dismissive stories of, oh, it's probably just something else, you go, oh, no, because it can really slow down people's treatment and therefore yeah. their um, how they're feeling and their abilities. 
Yeah, well, it would have impacted me a lot more at work if I hadn't gone straight away because I was able to go on to a medication that helped with straight away with my immediate symptoms. Since then, things have progressed and I've managed to get NDIS funding, which has helped me to get, a, as you say, a team of specialists behind me to help me with issues as they come up. Well, that's something that I definitely want to touch on, the um, the NDIS, because it's a very complicated and convoluted system that can have great outcomes but is tough to manage. But just before we get there, um, you said things have sort of progressed since you first found this movement disorder specialist. So talk to me about where you're at now with your symptoms and how it's going with work and everything. Yeah, work is great. Very, I've got a lovely bunch of colleagues directly around me. Everybody supports me even when I stumble into things and, and as my voice gets rough, they are patient and lovely. I couldn't ask for a better bunch of guys. They're lovely. My voice has weakened. So I'm quieter, I'm more gravelly, and I stumble a little with words. My balance is poor, although that may be affected. I've also, I don't know if you know Nick Natanui. Mm -hmm. He has an Achilles tendinosis diagnosis at the moment, and I think he's copying me Um, (laughs) (laughs) because... Yeah, I've got bad, two bad Achilles, which are affecting my walking, and I'm, we're not sure if it's if it's Parkinson's causing the, the tendinosis or a lifetime of cricket. Certainly doesn't help the picture, though, does it? The Achilles can really give you a lot of trouble. Yeah, yeah, but um, on the whole, I'm healthy and I get around. I I bump into things, but I've always kind of been one of those people that bump into corners of things. You get those people. I'm one of them. <laughs> um, but, but now I walk smack into things. My typing and the direct work things are, are still really good and I'm cognitively I'm good to go. I don't struggle with work tasks or anything. So that's a relief because you read about those sort of aspects of Parkinson's and that gets a bit scary. Especially when our our workplaces are such a source of not only our financial stability but also Mm. purpose and community and all of the other secondary things you get, not just the, the money side of work. And so the more we can stay involved in that, the better it is for just overall well-being. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It, it's it like I always say that I have to have purpose in in what I work on. That I like to make a difference, and certainly what I work on at the moment makes a difference. We do something for the nation, so we feel in, like we're contributing that makes you feel good and along with the community of people that I work with 
That's fantastic to hear that you've got such a strong team around you there. Now, the other thing we did touch on was uh, you said that you are on the NDIS, which for people that I'm sure a lot of our listeners are aware, but it's a scheme that's available to people 65 and under. So talk me through your the process of getting on the NDIS and how that all went because I know my mum is on the NDIS uh, and I know it is a challenging scheme to get access to but once you do it can be an absolute game changer in terms of the services that you can access. Yeah so I was put on to MSWA the Society for Multiple Sclerosis to help me to apply and that was a game changer for me. They got an OT to come and and basically write a report. I got a bit of advice from a Facebook group that's a lovely group which is living with Parkinson's living and working with Parkinson's and they basically said make sure that you you tell them the worst day about the worst days, not your best days. Because Parkinson's is so up and down, you know, you might be having a nice day where you don't have any worries about falling over or, you know, whatever your issues are. So I was able to keep that in mind when when I applied. And I was lucky enough to get through the with the first application. A lot of people apply multiple times. And so I got through the first time and I've had one year of cover and I'm just about just I'm sort of in the start of my second year and we're going to go for a reassessment. But I've managed to get some really good people behind me because of it. So... I've got a speech therapist who I wouldn't have gotten on to because I never really thought about it. And um, Natanya Fisher is a wonderful help to me. She's just marvellous. And, I, you know, I just wouldn't have had her support. So that's really good. I've had some OT support. OT is something that I never thought of. I, I guess it seems obvious now, but I just thought a bit of physio would be enough, a bit of occasional physio would be enough and maybe some exercise. But it makes a big difference to have something organised and regular and you can afford it with when you have a bit of backing. And I wouldn't have been able to afford it without it. For someone that doesn't know exactly what they do, what exactly is the OT and what are like some of the, I guess, services that they provide that you find so beneficial? Yeah, so they come and assess your living arrangements and if you need any extra assistance, devices and things. Um, So I've got like a bed rails I got some rails. We've got just a small set of stairs um, that didn't have a proper rail on them and now they do and it makes a massive difference. I would have fallen down those stairs, I know for a fact. 
because I really have to hold on to that rail now. So Jason has saved my life, I think. And it's Uh, also meaning that you get to remain independent and stay in your home for longer than if you didn't have, say, those rails there that would make it inaccessible. Yeah, very much so. And as time goes on, I can bring bring him, him back, which is great. So I was starting to have trouble with some tap and he arranged new taps that more that are more accessible. Oh, he also has me doing some putty exercise. So it's all almost all people that have had hand injuries do it. But um, you get a bucket, a, a little bucket of putty, but it's like slime, I guess. It's really fun. And um, you have all these exercises, so you squeeze it. I should have brought it along. You squeeze it and spread it and play with it, basically. So I have putty at home, at work, and I'll sit. And it helps strengthen my hand for fine motor skill work, which is obviously important on the computer. So so while it's fun, it's also pretty serious. That's so wonderful to hear what the NDIS has been able to open up for you, which is exactly what the scheme is is meant to do. And I think the challenge is it is an insurance company and insurance companies famously don't want to pay out. And so the real... I guess, struggle for the individuals is having to go in to those meetings and say your worst day, which can be a really hard thing to have to do to go in and say the worst things about your condition at that point in time. And so as much as you said, it was still a really easy process that you got on that first time. I um, applaud you for having to go through that process still, because it is really hard to go in and say, these are the things that I'm finding really hard. I know with mum's experience, that was a very emotionally exhausting day. So uh, I'm very glad to hear that it's worked out. I was pretty lucky. I had my husband sitting beside me and I had my husband sitting beside me all the time. Um, Whenever I go to an appointment, he's always there. And he, he manages my fund for me. And he was able to help me through the the meetings initially as well. So, you know, he's a tremendous support. Oh, he sounds amazing. I'm very, very glad to hear you've got someone like that in your life. Mm-hmm. One last question and then I will let you get back to work because I can see on the Zoom that you are actually at the office, so I appreciate you taking the time. <laughs> But I did learn that you have recently had the DBS, deep brain stimulation. Uh, and so I'd love to, to talk to you about the decision-making process uh, to actually get the surgery and then how the, the recovery's been. So take us back to pre-surgery. Um, how did you go about coming to the decision to have it? Yeah, well, Julian, my neurologist, was basically encouraging me to think about it, consider it because it's all about quality of life and quality of life is less drugs, more even responses and basically everything sort of levelling out for you. It doesn't solve, it doesn't cure anything, it just improves your yes. And 
that sounded great to me. So I was given a contact to ring to speak to a buddy um, who had had DBS a couple of years before and she was over the moon excited and wanted to tell me how wonderful it was and what a great result she'd had. So um, that made me feel great about the idea of it and a little bit braver about it because it's a bit intimidating, the thought of brain surgery. And, yeah, it's just a scary thing. So I thought about it and I thought, well, you know, she had such a great experience. I'm getting all the encouragement. I'm at a good age to do it. I'm not too old. I might pull the trigger. So, and in fact, by the end of the process of deciding, I was quite excited about it. I was looking forward to doing it. And I went into surgery on the 28th of November last year and um, had a really good team who explained everything down to the minute detail. So I knew exactly what was going to happen during surgery. And I came out of surgery really well. And it's weird things worry you beforehand, like are they going to shave your head? They don't even do that. You end up with bumps on your head and like a line where cables come down your neck and a line of staples under your hair, which it's a huge, big sort of bit of your skull, but it's all under your hair and it seems minor. Like when you think about it and run your hands over where where they are had it all open, you think, oh, my God, but it's under your hair. How bad could it be? I could even go and have a haircut. It was weird. So here I am about six months after the surgery and I've had a few negative experiences with it. It's affected my voice a, a little bit and probably my balance. So we've got a lot of work to do on fiddling. It's basically playing with the settings of the device to alter the signals coming from the wires into your brain. And so I visit the the, um, neurologist every now and again and he sits down and, and... turn some up and turn some down and changes frequencies and, and we move forward. So we're moving forward slowly and probably slower than I would like, but it doesn't sound like he's too worried. Like now I know that it's typically about a year before it settles and you get the best results. So I was, I thought I'd be jumping out of a hospital and, I don't know, running a marathon. <laughs> but perhaps I'll wait a bit for that. Well, that was going to be my, my question for you because we've had um, someone else on the podcast who has also had it and they were talking about this 12-month window. 
And so I guess, yeah, in terms of that time frame, it sounds like you're on track, but if you're not aware of that time frame, you can feel like you're falling yeah. behind. So I guess that expectation of going in knowing I'm going to have to wait a year until I, I'm at that sort of stable point would be probably pretty helpful to know uh, and then just, yeah, set that expectation. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think I probably didn't listen when I should have <laughs> and and only heard the things I wanted to hear. So probably had bigger expectations or shorter expectations. Well, it's hard um, too. It's, a, it's a, like you said, a very um, invasive procedure and full on the, the idea of having brain surgery. So there would be a lot of information to take in at the start. It would be impossible to to collect it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's actually quite interesting because as a part of it, I was exposed to uh, psychiatrists as well who assessed me and I've never talked to a psychiatrist before. So that was interesting. Um, He's part of the the whole team so they have a big process they go through to to make sure that you're suitable and I think that made made me feel a bit better about the whole thing when I went back to him after and started talking about my expectations he was able to sort of ease me into the feelings that feeling stronger about the time frame it's so important isn't it to have obviously the the physical health side of it but also the mental health side of it because they do work in conjunction and both can really have a huge impact on your day-to-day experience yeah absolutely well we'll have to get you back on in another six months and hear how the, the journey is going louise but thank you so much for talking to us today and sharing your story i know that especially that stuff about the ndis is uh is really a challenging process so to hear your experience mm-hmm. hopefully will encourage some others to get out there and see if they can get some supports yeah yeah more the merrier <laughs> <laughs> absolutely right all right thanks louise have a good rest of your day thanks, Amy. see ya thanks for listening to today's episode shake it up australia funds groundbreaking australian research that aims to slow stop and cure parkinson's disease And they need your help. To support Shake It Up's vision of a world without Parkinson's, head to shakeitup.org.au forward slash podcast. Together, we can find a cure.